Today on Lockdown Red Wings, the Detroit Red Wings snap their four-game losing streak and get on a two-game, a little, little bit of a hot streak going on here as they head into Nashville on Wednesday. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily JWWJ News Radio podcast. While Scotty is the freelance journalist for the Detroit News, as well as a host for the Locked On Tigers. And Scotty, I think you said it on the Thursday episode we recorded because we didn't record Friday because I went up north hunting and the Red Wings played on the West Coast. So there was no way I was recording at 1 a.m. for that game. Um, but I think you said it on the Thursday episode that. This team is consistently inconsistent. And after winning three straight games, they then proceeded to lose four straight games. Now they've won back to back to finish out their road trip. And they finished out the road trip in hindsight, two, one, and one, which is actually not bad. They got five out of a possible eight points. Um, let's start with the game on Thursday, the Sharks game that we didn't get to recap. Cause again, I was up North, didn't see a single deer, but that's how it goes. That's why they call it hunting, not killing. Um, but the Red Wings looked pretty bad there in the first period, but kind of kind of corralled it. Their offense came alive, and a lot of that has to do with the support they, they got from the defensive side of the puck. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this was a game where Huso didn't look as no. – amazing in that game he looked fantastic in Columbus and we'll talk about that but he, he didn't look as great in this one I think that this was a weird game where defensively the wings weren't that bad they gave up four but like the I don't think there was that bad of a defensive performance I agree with you but I think that they almost tried to like overcompensate defensively and they were like super aggressive defensively and like everything was a, an attempted break and, and like everything was like an outlet pass or uh, like a really aggressive forecheck at times. Again, then there were times when it was just like dump and chasey again, but that's besides the point. <laughs> but I, I felt like they, they were at times attempting to be really aggressive and it did lead to i mean seven goals on like 20 shots or something ridiculous for the wings like it was uh it, it was wild like a, a really weird game and like they took care of business and they should have destroyed this team and they did um which is which is great and yeah i, I agree with you i think the defensive performance while it, it on paper it might not look stellar i think that it was an at least an attempt to change strategy which is really all we've been asking for yeah so i mean this team i think the the one thing that impressed me most about the san jose sharks game after i went back and i was able to watch it is that they played a really clean game they only drew one penalty in that game while the sharks yeah. took three obviously they weren't able to get any power play goals but one of my biggest gripes with this team was their a inability to score goals on five on five and the inability to not take penalties. They took one penalty in the first period and they scored six five on five goals. And the seventh was a goal into an empty net. I mean, again, you're playing the sharks and it's important to beat the teams that are down in the standings. You failed to do that against the ducks. You blew a lead there, 
but you came out and you did your business against uh, the Sharks, despite the fact that Huso wasn't on the, the top of his game. But the offense came alive, and a lot of that had to do with the defense. Phil Peronick got a uh, a goal in that game, and that started. A, he's on a yeah. he's red hot. He and Moritz Sider. I mean, Moritz Sider got the game winner, his first of the season, and I think he that I think it's going to have the same effect that the goal that Raymond got when he finally got the monkey off his back. I think that is the going to be the confidence builder because you saw in the game against the Blue Jackets, he looked stellar. I mean, we'll talk about the Blue Jackets game in the second half of the episode, but a lot of this, and we didn't talk a lot about this, but a lot of this team's success is also going to come from what the defense can do to jump up in the play and support. And we got to see that in abundance on Thursday and on Saturday. The Hronik, uh, you had Jake Wallman got a goal, Ben Chirac got a goal in the game on Saturday. I mean, the defense is going to play a huge role if this team's going to have success. And five-on-five five goals, man, that's huge. So, I, again, I don't like the fact that they gave up four goals. Huso wasn't on his top game. Neither was James Reimer. I think Reimer gave up quite a few bad ones. The goal against to, the goal he gave up against Valeno, he we overcommitted had, to the right side. He had like 20 or 21 shots and scored seven goals. It was 20 shots against, uh, and six of them went in. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah, empty <laughs> nutter. There you go. So it was six. It was six goals on on twenty shots on net with a goalie in net, and so, that's devastating. Like that's not, it's like a six sixty save percentage. <laughs> like that's, that's just absolutely dreadful. So like, no, it certainly wasn't a, a great performance on the other side, and and I don't think that this was some like turning point offensively where oh look that they, they were you know consistently in the shark zone the entire game and it was consistent pressure and like all the things that we've talked about all year just like went away like no they most of their goals while none of them were power play goals but most of their goals were still like on the break or quick sets or outlets or whatnot so uh a lot on the rush still some beautiful plays on the rush though they're really good on the rush that's for sure beautiful passes and like incredible setups like I don't want to make that sound like it's a hundred percent a negative because like they they do run really good plays on the rush, but it's just it's frustrating that even again like even against the Sharks, like you had twenty shots excluding the empty net, or you had twenty shots on net and zero power play goals, and so like that's what you accomplished on the five on five. There was one stretch in that game where they had, I think it was back to back power plays. And they had like two shots on net and like the like it, it's just I don't know it was just uh it was great because we crushed them we're supposed to crush them but my point is just the all the areas that we've pointed out as needs for improvement and such like they're all still very prevalent and and we're still there in this game even with the victory but I'll well, take a win so for example they had they had their patented third period collapse they had a four to two lead and they blew that and then right. Morris Sider was able to get the fifth goal which ended up being the inevitable game winner. But, you know, they can't – you got to be able to hold down the fort, you know, and they, they just consistently could not. And, again, like, you know, we talk and joke about, like, get-right game, and I don't even think the Sharks game was a get-right game. Uh, I think the game against Columbus was the get-right game with how much they dominated. But I'm not going to look past the Sharks game. I'm going to take a win when they can get it. Absolutely. And they, they did – they worked on and improved on the things that I complain about, which is scoring at 5-on-5. Five five. Six goals at 5-on-5 five five is important. They only took one penalty. That's important. Did they dominate at five on five? No. In fact, the Sharks had the edge in every single period, but two, periods two and three were even, you know, very close to being even at least. So the, the, the fact that they had an edge doesn't really mean a whole lot. But so, yeah, there are issues for sure with how that team, with how the Red Wings played in that game. But I'm going to take the win. 
I'm going to take it because I think that's a confidence builder. You went on the road, you come back to Columbus, which is in your time zone again. Now you go to Nationwide, a team that is down and out. Columbus is very bad this year for some reason. Well, you could kind of, you could have predicted it, although I had them ranked way higher. In hindsight, I'm an idiot, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, No, we don't got to talk about it, Scotty. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Uh, I thought Johnny Goudreau would carry them a lot higher than I thought he is, or they are right now. But they, their team that is middle of the pack. And that is what we thought they would be. And that's what we hoped they would be is a step forward is a middle of the pack team. And so you're going to win games against bad teams and you're going to lose games against good teams. You might sneak a win against a good team and you might occasionally lose a game against a bad team, Anaheim. So in the end, this, these two games, I'm saying in the end, like we're wrapping it up. We have Columbus Mm -hmm. game to talk about in the end, like these two games, I feel like leveled me out and brought my expectations back to where they were. Cause we weren't, I mean, you were too, but like me, especially because I'll speak for myself. I was feeling really bad about this team after the, on that four game losing streak. Cause they didn't look like a whole lot better than they did than last year's team. And these two wins reminded me, Oh yeah, this team is better. They were just playing poorly at the time. And they're going to go through that with this new head coach, this new system and all these new players, but they are capable of blowing these teams out, which is something they really didn't do last year. They beat bad teams, but they didn't blow them out like they did last night and on Thursday night. So it was reassuring to make me feel like, okay, they're not the best team in the world. No, but they're a middle of the pack team. And that's what we were looking for out of this, out of this team. It, it helped level me back out on my feelings on this team. <laughs> no, for sure. And like we, we, when we talked about it at the end of last week, like I said, like this is, this is going to be uh, just an inconsistent team. And like, that's, that's what they are. And that's what, uh teams that are going through like rebuilds and trying to come out of rebuilds like everybody hits this stage like this is a this is part of the process this is part of the plan like this doesn't change anyone's like I I told you off air before we started like these two win these are great wins and I'm so glad that they won because they were significantly better than both teams they played and they should have absolutely destroyed both of them and they did and that's awesome uh but Those two wins, just like the four losses prior to these two wins, don't change my overall outlook on the season, which is that this is a very inconsistent team. They're going to win some games they shouldn't. They're going to lose some games they shouldn't. They're probably going to end up being in the middle of the pack in a very tough division and miss the postseason. That's what we've been saying ever since the preseason when we were all excited. That's We've at least come really close to maintaining a level head throughout we've tried we've tried throughout uh, (laughs) we are human at the end of the day but throughout all of the ups and downs this season already you know we're not even to thanksgiving yet and like we've already kind of handled these and and been somewhat close to uh, around the same opinion of where this team is going to be after game 82 and and yeah while these wins are great it certainly doesn't change my outlook on the season and that this team is going to be really inconsistent and really frustrate you at times and then come alive and be really awesome at times. Yeah, they're going to show you the flashes of the team they're becoming, but it's going to right. take a little bit longer to get there. Um, got to talk to you guys today about Simply Safe. If you thought about securing your home with home security, but you ha- have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up. Right now, Lockdown Red Wings listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you don't want to miss it. Here's why you're going to love it. 
In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use FastProtect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 a day, less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With a top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlocked for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only system Lockdown Red Wings recommends. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash lockdown NHL. This is the biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com slash lockdown NHL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, let's wrap up our conversation on the Sharks game moving to Columbus. I just want to give a shout out to Eric Carlson. The dude is a maniac. Absolutely insane. Four nice points. In, he had four points in that game against the Red Wings. The Red, <laughs> Sharks only scored four goals. So he had a point and every single goal. I don't know what if it's just because he's healthy. I mean, he's had a, it's an Eric Carlson renaissance. And I tell you, I mean, I know he's making like $11 million a year and has four years left on his contract. But when the trade deadline comes around, the Sharks are going to get a pre-package for him if he keeps this up. Yeah, and we, we talked about it at the end of last week. Like, this is a dude that that they, especially if they ate some of that money. They have to retain at least 50% with how much he's Yeah, making. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they will because they can like, afford he's, to. he's talented enough and he's having a productive enough season, I guess I should word it. Whereas, yeah, if they if they eat a decent amount of that money, uh, they they could get a, a nice a nice pretty return for him at the deadline. Absolutely, they they definitely can because, and I don't want to make this locked on sharks. Go listen to JD Young; he's fant- uh, phenomenal. He does a great job. The meme game one hundred. He's on fire. The dog, yeah. Um, but you know, if they retain fifty percent, they're at the bottom part of the rebuild. They're just starting, so they can afford to retain fifty percent of that contract for the oh, next yeah. four years. There's there's no issue. So if you retain, you're getting better draft picks in return. 50 is like the bar. Like yeah. that's like where yeah. they're going to start. And then they're going to see how much better they, how much they can improve the offers that they're already receiving by eating more and more and more. And that number is just going to go up. By retaining 50%, they also increase the chance of them getting good draft picks in return or good prospects. Right, Cause if yeah, you want exactly. the team to a team to hold on to all that money, they're not going to give you anything in return besides like a, a conditional. It's either, right. It's the, you either have to have the team you're trading them to eat the contract or, or well, or you eat the contract and you get prospects. It's a one or the other type of scenario. Uh, also, Jake Wallman getting his first goal as a Red Wing on a yeah, slap shot. Absolute rocket. In that yeah. game for That's us. Crazy. It's That's crazy. It was great. Um, and that carried over perfectly into the game against Columbus, where I think, what, three defensemen scored again or two defensemen scored three goals. Yeah, in, right. Uh, Hronik had two. Sherratt had one. I mean, that you game talk against about the- Hronik? I, I mean, he's part of the conversation for sure. Let's lead off with Philip Peronic. The Red Wings won 6-1 to against Columbus on Saturday night. It was the most well-rounded, complete game out of the Detroit Red Wings yet this season. I mean, they dominated every facet of that game. And Philip Peronic was a big part of that. His ability to step up into the play offensively. We, we've been talking a lot about the defense 
and what the defense yeah. does defensively this year that we haven't really mentioned the fact that Phil Peronix is actually having low-key career year in offensive production, which is the primary way that he plays the game. He's got 10 assists and four goals for 14 points in 18 games played. Offensively, he's been providing a ton of upside um, on that side of the puck. It's just the defensive side. Of, like There was a goal earlier in the game. Uh, the one goal that Columbus scored where he had a, I think, um, was a beer league chump on Twitter said they got a soul suck sucked out of him on that goal. So, yeah. It's, yeah. you know, <laughs> her, it, we talk about like the Ben Sherrod experience and like he giveth and taketh away. Philip Aronic giveth and taketh away too. Absolutely. That's a, that's a dude that, as you said, and as has been pointed out by, by quite a few people now, like he, he is having a really good offensive season and that shouldn't go unnoticed. And he does deserve a lot of credit for that, obviously. And yeah, his, you know, this was a dude like two years ago during like the really like low depths of this rebuild and like the teardown that people kind of looked at and were like, he's one of the only players on this roster that you could kind of see being on this team relatively long term, right? When like Nick, it was, it was really just him. Sorry. And then, you know, well, you know what I mean? Like it was, yeah. it was really no. just him. And when Cronwell retired, he had to be the number one defenseman. Yeah. He was forced into that role right? until Mort Sutter came along. Yeah, and, and so he was he was one – and I don't think anyone expected him to stick around at top pairing, but I, I think he was literally offense, defense, like in that – he was one of the only people on the roster that, that you could look at and kind of see a future path of him sticking around long term on on the team. And uh, – well, except for Larkin, obviously. And, and so they uh, – yeah, I mean, he, he's – He's been good offensively, and his ability to really drive offensive possessions from the blue line is really impressive. And he has the ability to play quarterback a little bit, which is something that I think is is again really important and has you know like power play potential and and all that. And he he's been he's been fine offensively. He's been really good offensively this year. It's just a continued frustration because defensively it's a completely different story, but in the same breath, that's why you pair them with Mata consistently, right? Like that's why you do that. And uh, because you, you have one of the defensemen out there and Mata got a little bump in offensive production to start off the season, but that's flattened already. And then I don't think we really expect that. So yeah, you go out there and you put one offensive defenseman, like pure offensive defenseman out there. And then one true defensive defenseman out there and they share a, share a, a a pairing and it has worked out pretty well as we talked about last yeah. week week and a half ago maybe that they're one of the better defensive pairings in the nhl uh, you know right now so it's a it's a give take situation with philip peronic is my point oh i mean you're completely right i mean he's 100 percent offense zero percent defense right I mean, you can watch it in, during games I in I already said it, but that one goal Columbus gave out is because he was just flailing in the defensive zone, getting danced. Um, but then he goes out and he jumps out into the middle of the slot, for the puck to pop out to him, and he rips it past Corposalo. And then on the other goal he scored was just an absolute snipe. And Dylan yeah. Larkin broken credit to Dylan Larkin for actually carrying the puck across the blue line. Um, he lost control of it followed it to the boards, saw Phil Peronic breaking weak side because everyone's watching Larkin, f f uh, saw Hronik breaking weak side, pass it across, and Hronik tucked that puck behind the back bar next to the water bottle. And he was the only one who knew he, it's it went in because it went in so fast. So 
I mean, he has the ability to shoot. His vision offensively is very impressive. Like, he knows when to step up. His problem is getting caught and then preventing zone entries. He's our version of John Klingberg. He's literally John Klingberg light for the Detroit Red Wings. In (laughs) fact, in the fact that he provides an offensive upside and it's amazing, but when the puck's coming back the other way, it's like, oh, well, he's not really a defenseman in the end. (laughs) He's, he's just, the thing is, is he's one of those defensemen and there's plenty of them like that where you watch and you go, why is this guy playing defense? He's clearly an offensive oriented guy. Why don't they play forward? But you put that guy on wing and he doesn't work the same. Yeah. You, that type of type of defenseman. He only plays works. quarterback back there. Like I said, yeah. like he really does. He 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 has the ability to drive a play from the blue line and really play QB back there. Like it's not a it's not the, the offensive production is real. Like yeah. it's not fluky. Like it's because of how he plays the game. It's just with how he plays the game comes poor defense. But that's what I'm saying is that you can't put a guy like Phil Peronic on a wing and expect him to produce the same. Like he right. only works because he's playing from the back end. He only works as the last man in. He only works as a guy who can has the entire ice in front of him. You put him on the wing, half the time your ass is planted on the boards and you have to look forward and backward. That right. only works because he can see everything happening and know when to step up. So that's why offensive defensemen like him work offensively just not really defensively <laughs> but <laughs> phil peronic you're on a, you're you're red hot right now or as a lot of people are saying on twitter red hot um you're looking good you go. keep it up uh let's see who else mort cider had a three-point night last night against the columbus blue jackets which was absolutely phenomenal to see great to see and uh we'll break that down because i'm looking at the time we'll break that down after these this word from bet online BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those over at BetOnline as well. They've, they're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Now we can talk about more Cider. I got excited there. Started getting excited because the Red Wings played really well last night and got ahead of myself. It's like, oh, we got to <laughs> talk bet online. So, uh, yeah, more Cider. Like I said, it seems like that goal against the Sharks kind of built his confidence up, and he had a great game in the game against the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Three assists, one of which, Scotty, was nasty. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's... We and we've talked we talked about it literally right before the weekend, right? Like we talked about it at the end of last week and, and how he it's Yeah, not right after we made that episode. <laughs> right. It's not that he's been bad or struggled. He just hasn't been like the I'm gonna light the world on fire and be a headlining player like he was last season. And uh it's still very early and that is looking like it could be around the corner. Now, obviously, you know, one game will take it in stride, but uh, no, he looked phenomenal. And the thing is that that makes him so special is that a lot of his great offense is derived from like good defense. And he's been really good in front of the net and such, but his defensive presence, like at the blue line and in the neutral zone on like rushes or, or like just fast possessions or zone entries or whatnot is 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 so impressive and he utilizes whether it's turnovers pokes hits etc he, he just utilizes his such strong defense out there so well that 
when the wings get the puck back or he gets the puck on his stick, then he, you know, makes a rush for the opponent's zone. And and he's so effective and is such a good stick handler for how big he is. And I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, I guess, but he's, he's phenomenal. And this game really highlighted all those skills in one. I mean, he was playing with a a type of confidence we haven't seen from him in this season. Uh, That was like, we were watching last season more insider. And I, I think that, this is a building block. These last two games are huge building blocks for him to get that confidence to play that type of game again. Again, not that he was ever bad this season. He was still good, but he didn't have that kind of cachet that he did last season. And now that game against the Blue Jackets, especially, it felt like it was there. It felt like he had it. And I mean, let's talk about the team as a whole. The Red Wings as a whole just played fantastic. They got power play goals. They killed penalty kills. They scored at five on five. They dominated at five on five. And remember, the Columbus Blue Jackets are, again, one of the worst teams in the league. We've had a stretch of a few of those teams uh, back to back to back. But they played a really well-rounded game in this one. And it was very reassuring to see because we talk about how you have to beat up on the teams that you have to beat up on. And they did in this case. And they like there was never a doubt that they were going to, I mean, maybe when they tied it up and made it one-to-one, I was like, Oh, here we go. But then it immediately bounced back. And it was there. There were so many good moments in this game. We could talk about everyone who scored Tyler Bertuzzi got his first goal in this one as well. Yeah. I mean, it was just a great game. Larkin got another one as did Kubelik Perron's getting back on the score sheet. Yeah. Dude. What? But uh, Perron also, I mean, he didn't, I don't think he scored. He scored in the game against the Sharks. We didn't score in this one, but he's getting back yeah. on the point sheet after being he a little had, bit like sluggish. like two or three points in the Sharks game yeah. alone. I mean, the amount of points that, I think there was, let's see how many guys had multi-point nights in this game. I didn't, I didn't even look at that. Cop uh, had two points. Larkin had three points. Ryan had two points. Hironic had two goals. Cider had three points. Yeah. So there are five multi-point nights for these guys. I mean, all the way around, it was a great night. And nice to see Andrew Kopp get an assist as well. I mean, it's just, it was a great game. And Huso played well in net. So it, that's he just the type phenomenal. of game. Phenomenal. Oh, absolutely out of his mind. He made 27 saves. I mean, that's not a light workload. I mean, that's close to 30 shots. That's a that's a full yeah, night's there, worth of work. There were also a lot of, like, really difficult saves in, in that game for him. He looked unreal. Yeah, he made four high-danger saves, and then he made six mid-danger saves. So it's not like yeah. it was super easy for him. So, I mean, overall, that's why I was saying earlier in the episode, this was the get-right game because they played a complete 60 minutes with no collapse, and they dominated every facet of the ice. And it's just like this is the, this is, this is the type of game you want to see from this team going forward. They killed off every penalty. They scored a power play goal. They scored five on five goals, five of them. I mean, just it, that was one of those games, Scotty, where you're just like, okay, this team's not awful. Thank God right. this team, this team is what we thought they were. Yeah, for sure. And and again, like I, I said it earlier, just because it doesn't change like my opinion of the season, because it's two bad teams, like you still did what you were supposed to do. And I'm very happy about that. Like this yeah. is what should have happened. Right, they scored 13 goals in two games. Like that, this is what should have happened. That's that's a great accomplishment, a great weekend, a very successful weekend, and hopefully it gets them back on track against better teams now as we transition, you know, away from the the West Coast road trip and get back home and stuff. So yeah, the great great weekend, very successful weekend. We already talked about who. So um, I, I think for this game specifically, it was one of the better 
all like five on five offensive performances. And I know you touched on that a little bit earlier, but just we talk so much about consistent opportunities in the offensive zone. And just this team has a incredible inability to like consistently apply pressure and stay in the opponent's zone and in the offensive zone for I don't know, more than 20 seconds, it seems like. And this was finally a game, while it wasn't some stellar, like, master class, it did feel like at five-on-five five, they were at least able to put the pressure on Columbus for a lot of the game. And and there was still a little bit there. I think it was the end of the second period. There was still, you know, five, ten-minute stretches even where it, it felt a little, okay, we're going to try to play good be- defense and then just get out on the rush and whatnot. It wasn't a full 60, but... It, it, more so than a lot of other games this season, I thought the offensive zone pressure was was a step in the right direction. Maybe that's not the right phrase. It was it was just better than we're used to. Absolutely. <laughs> Who knows if it's a step in the right direction or not? But it was better than what we're used to. Listen, it's. It, I think it was a step in the right direction just from the standpoint that they played a complete game and they finished it out and they blew them out. I mean, that was that is what you obviously want to do every game. You're not going to do that every game. That's yeah, like, sure. the, but they, they proved that they have it in them and they proved that they can make those adjustments. Now go out there on Wednesday and do it against the National Predators who aren't like the best team in the league, but they're not b- bad either. Like that's a that's a comparable team to your own. They have a couple of really nice players on their team. Um, but that's a team that you should be able to hang in with. And we'll, we'll obviously do a preview on Tuesday because um, they don't play until Wednesday. But um, also want to talk about, too, and bring it up every so often, but Dylan Larkin and Dominic Kubli continue to be production machines. Yeah. Dylan Larkin is leading the team with 22 points in 18 games played. Um, he had a multi-point night on Saturday. He had a, uh, at least one point on Friday. Same with Kubli. He had the empty net Thursday, rather. Uh, Kubli had the empty netter on Thursday. He had a rocket of a slap shot one-timer on uh saturday night so 21 points in 18 for kubalik 22 in 18 for larkin and I mean, this is what we expect out of larkin be slightly over a point per game when he's healthy but yep. kubalik man he just further continues to prove oh. the value of his signing man yeah man. he's awesome i don't know i don't know how many times we have to reiterate it but yeah <laughs> he's he's awesome he is so cool and i love him philip pronick is second and plus minus at plus eight. I mean, man, I don't like using plus minus as an end all be all stat, but it's definitely a nice supplemental. And that means, cause that's a, that's a stat that only goes up or down based on five on five play. So that right. means he's been out there for eight more goals for than against the season. And Dylan Larkin leaves the team at nine. So those two guys can carry the offense at five on five for sure. But what else needs to be said? Oh, Nicholas Lidstrom, the best Swedish hockey player of all time. Sweden declared that. And we'll definitely talk about that tomorrow. Damn right. Damn right. Best Swedish hockey player of all time from Sweden's mouth themselves. Sweden has one mouth, singular. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Just having fun. Um, any final thoughts, man? You got anything you got to go off your chest? I don't think so. We ball. I mean, you got... Happy lot- World Cup. Uh, don't do that, dude. I'm not... Don't be that person. It's just... Not so hot in the World Cup right now because of the whole cater situation, but we don't got to get into that. I mean, I'm just talking about the game of soccer, but <laughs> I guess like, if you want to go down that rabbit no, hole, no, let's not touch on that. To. Let's not I'm touch just on happy. That. The World Cup's one of my like favorite sporting events ever, and it's you know only once every four years, so it's cool. Um, Lions won three in a row. 
Three straight for mm-hmm. uh, for the boys. Yeah, they've got one more win than they got last season already, which is great. And Michigan Ohio State's this weekend coming up. So happy eight week. Happy eight week. Hate week. Hate week. Okay, I don't know what that. I was like, what did he just say? Eight week. I didn't know what that meant. Happy hate week. Yeah. Happy hate week. All right. Enough of us being doofuses. Mostly me. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> Same time. Not online. There. You see, you're a doofus too. Same place. <laughs> it's your team every day. Every day.